Hey guys, this is uh, Bill Farrell. Uh, we are uh, rock bottom to recovery, and this is um, episode 15. We have done 15 episodes. We'll, we are on Podbean, iTunes, and if you're listening and we're talking about a camera or something along those lines, it's because we are streaming live from Facebook. And so you can actually go to our Facebook page, Rock Bottom to Recovery uh, Podcast Facebook. That sounds good, right? Right. And you can actually watch the videos that we stream in, inside the, uh, the studio, this uh, amazing studio. If you guys could see the rest of this room, it's like top-notch, isn't it, Amber? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Immaculate. <laughs> so uh, our guest today is Amber Smith. And uh, I, I saw Amber speak at one of the uh, Hobart Cares Coalition meetings, and um, I just thought her story is very, very uh, powerful. And it's one of the things that we wanted to do here on Rock Bottom to Recovery is create a, p- a platform about discussion um, uh, to recovery and all roads to recovery because recovery for me it could be is, is different for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Amber spoke and uh, spoke, talked about... Um, being in a family of people with substance use disorder and how it affected her. And I thought it was very powerful and I thought it would be great for you to come on in because sometimes in people's addictions, they they do whatever it takes to feed that addiction. Yeah. And they'll steal, they'll just do horrible things. And it's easy to forget that people are human beings. Right. That people didn't start out this way. And... Um, they, you know, and, and I, I've heard some horrible things. I'm sure you have too, correct? Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, I want to talk about that. And it's just not to, we're not justifying what people do to feed the addiction. We just want people to understand. Right. But more importantly, with you here today, I want people to understand what it's like for somebody in a family who lives with this and... um you know, and, and just try to put a different perspective on it. And so with that, Amber, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how you got here, and we'll just go from there. Um, received a phone call this past July on July 5th that um, – no, let me back up. I received a Facebook message of my aunt telling me to call her. I immediately knew that my dad was dead. Um, so your aunt – called you but you hadn't talked to her no but you knew but uh, yeah I, I knew yeah and I looked yeah. at my friend and I told him I was like my dad's dead and he told me I was crazy he told me I was being dramatic and uh you just those daughterly instincts you kind of just know yeah. and I was correct um what I didn't know was that my dad had died two days prior and the reason that people didn't call 911 is because one it was fourth of jolly weekend and they wanted to party Two, they didn't want to lose their housing, and three, they had a daughter themselves, so they were not trying to risk losing their child. They told me that they turned the air conditioner up to try and prevent him from decomposing and whatnot, and then after that, I made a post on Facebook, and it got quite a few shares, you know, thousands of shares of just like what I went through from identifying my dad and um, going to collect his belongings, finding the spoons, finding the belt and stuff like that in his apartment and not being able to have him in the casket because he smelled so bad um, in the refrigerated casket because he had gone through all the stages and was into decomposition. Um, when I identified him, his face was completely purple. It mm-hmm. was like his face was sinking in, his lips were falling off. Um, and you had to identify him. Yeah, 
Mm -hmm. I, it was like the worst thing I've ever had to do. Um, I was sitting at a table like this and the medical examiner comes in with like a, a folder and she was like, your dad's photo is in here what you need to do is like, you need to open it and then you need to sign it if it's him and confirm it's him. And I was sitting here and my brother was next to me and then my mom. And, um, I opened it and I looked at it for a minute because he was so decomposed. I didn't realize, like I realized it was him, but I didn't realize it was him. And I screamed, Oh, F U C K. Yeah. And I shot it automatically and I slid it over to my little brother. My little brother was 19 at the time. And, um, he ran out the room and he threw up outside the medical examiner's office. And my mom came to me, slapping me in my back because I was turning like blue because I couldn't breathe. You but, just couldn't, yeah. But the worst part was is that I had to open that folder again and sign my name on it, mm. on his photo. So after that, I just made a Facebook status about what addiction has done to me for someone who's never used. Mm-hmm. And it just went viral. I got ample amounts of messages from people saying that. They were putting themselves in detox that they didn't want to like use because they don't want their kids to deal with what I had to deal with. And um, someone reached out to Cor- Corey Finney from the Safe Project, and 15 days after I got the phone call, it was either 15 or 17 days. It was the first time I spoke at the addiction rally about everything. Where was the addiction rally? In Brockton. Okay. Was there a lot of people there? It's a decent amount, probably like 75 to 100 people, maybe. How'd you feel? Knowing that you were going to get up in front and speak in front of people. I was extremely nervous. Yeah. Yeah. But you had to do it. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I had to. Um, <clears throat> and how did it go? It went good. Um, I think what the shock factor was is, uh, and what my biggest part of my story is, is that uh, when I spoke there, I was able to point out in the crowd and say that my mom was standing out there. My mom has nine years drug free. And I then opened up my backpack and took my dad's ashes out. Mm-hmm. And I looked in the crowd and I said, if anyone's using here, you have two choices. You can be one of those people in the crowd like my mother or you can be in this box like my dad. So you, you, you come from uh, both parents yeah. used, Yep. right? One was able to get clean Yep. and, uh, and one didn't. One, yeah. um, so... And I guess as we go forward, like if there's anything that you don't want to share, please don't don't share. But I'm no, just curious. Okay. So, have you, when you were a child, is that like did, were they both using all the way through your childhood? Um. So, I didn't. All right. When I first met my dad, the first time I did ever help me was in Denham House of Corrections. Okay. And then he went away for almost 11 years. So I didn't really spend time with my dad until I was 11. Our relationship was on and off. He was always a big drinker. He mm-hmm. didn't start doing heroin until like four or five years ago, maybe. So he was a recent user. My mom struggled with addiction, mm-hmm. but I never knew. My mom was still my soccer coach. She was the chaperone at all the school events. It was like my mom, I don't want to say hit it, but she was like a functioning, a functioning drug addict. Yeah, yeah like, you know... I never saw my mom messed up. I never. So when I found out probably three years into my mom's recovery that she used heroin and I was like, what are you talking about? And I was so angry at her because I had no idea. Like that is such when you think of heroin, that's such a big like thing. Mm -hmm. And I I had no idea. I always just thought my mom had a depression problem. And even to this day, I look back at now I'm 25 and I look back and I'm like, my mom, I still, 
I know she had a problem. I, I realize it now, but, and I realize how bad it was, but she never put it around her kids, really. That's, and that, I think, that's incredible. Yeah. To think, to be yeah. able to, to use and still function. Yeah. Is, so, I mean, I'm not saying that the childhood was normal, but I mean, no. but you still experienced most things that yeah. children would experience. Because, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. so you just didn't see your dad as much because of. Right. Or, well, it was an in and out. Yeah. Relationship. A lot of in and out from when I was like 15 on. How did that make you feel? Like just having your dad come and go and. Still to this day, it angers me. Yeah. It alters relationships, whether it be with friends, whether it be with boyfriends, because you just expect everyone to just walk out of your life. Right. And, or you push them out because you don't want for, to set yourself up to you get that You don't want to get hurt. too close yeah. so you don't get yeah. hurt. Yeah. And you recognize that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. And so how do you deal with that? Um, Tough questions. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have friends. I just stick with my family. Yeah. And you got to have friends. The friends that I do have are probably like my mom's friends' kids. Yeah. But they're good people and I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know? You surround yourself so, with good yeah. people. I'm your friend. Yeah. High five. Yeah, exactly. You well, can I'm push me like away. Toss this off. Everybody, push, <laughs> everybody pushes me away. That isn't, you know. Um, yeah, so you really kind of pick and choose. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of my friends have lived a similar life as of me. So Substance use disorder? Yeah. We're trying to be politically correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They all, um, either they were, their moms were teen moms, their moms were addicts or still are, their dads in and out of their life, um, I have this one friend, it was like, uh, my friend Haley, it was like we were in competition of whose dad was going to do something mean to us, you know, whose dad was going to blow each other off first, you know. Um, Who won? It varied. Oh, I don't know. Sometimes I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't get worse for you. And then, like, it would be <laughs> Mike. two weeks later, it would be my turn. And I'm like, oh, I, I topped you. Like, so, yeah, I would go back and forth. So would you say out of those, a lot of those um, struggling? Oh, I'm still struggling. How how is it like? So, like you just said, like teen parents. Um, I'm always curious. Like, so you, um, same thing. Uh, parents were addicted, obviously, as mm -hmm. we know now. Your mom was very good at hiding it and and really functioned and did everything that they could. Why were you able to um, not pick up and start using it? Because, you know, sometimes I know, like, they, um, there's a lot of different factors. Obviously, parenting right. is one of them. So any any thoughts on, like, how were you able to not do it? Like, everybody around you was, what were they, drinking, smoking, doing all yeah. these things? Um, I have three, probably three main reasons why. It's uh, my little brothers. Mm -hmm. I don't want my little brothers ever to have to see me like that. Um, I live and love them so much. Like, I live for them. My niece, well, I have two nieces, both my nieces. I would never want them to see me in, like, in a state of mind like that. But um, the disappointment, like, I don't want to disappoint other family members or myself or even my mom because with my mom's addiction, she always made sure that I would have the best right. of the best. So by her pushing through what she did for me to 
then pick up and use that's a slap in the face to her yeah and uh, i mean i i think it's amazing that your mom um recovered and is yeah. in recovery now and it, can you want to how long how many years nine years in august yeah and how did she do it what was that do you ever talk to her about that and what yeah. the motivation was so um my grandfather passed away um in june of 2008 and uh my mom always says she felt like if she died, God wouldn't take her dad because my grandfather was her rock. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the, my family's rock. And my mom wrote his mass card. And I wish I had it with me because it was like the most beautiful. My mom is so artistic and can just write and she's just amazing with that stuff. And she wrote his mass card. Mm-hmm. She was so messed up. She never even like remembered writing his mass card and. She they actually, messed up like emotionally or was in she, every way, shape, or form. So she was still using it yeah, at the time. At this time, she was using. And then in August, my uncle had sectioned her, and she got clean on a section. And that's why I tell people push sections because you never know. Like right. if you know some people, are like oh they have to want it. I understand that, but you don't know what's gonna switch off in their mind in this section and that's what happened is my mom ended up going to church when she was sectioned and there was like two sentences out of the mass card that were said in church that she doesn't even remember writing but something just clicked with her between you know a sign from my grandfather she believes it was to get her stuff together so basically so your mom wrote the mass card yep right and whatever she wrote in the mascot, she also heard in church? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah. Yeah, it Extremely. is. Extremely. And obviously yeah. that clicked for her. Yeah. So I would assume she has some type of spirituality. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, that's cool. We talk about yeah. spirituality here sometimes. Yeah. No. I My, I'm a big, obviously, spiritual guy. Shane, big spiritual guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and one, that's one of the things that we've talked about in recovery is that people that are somewhat successful a high percentage can relate it back to their higher power right and you know so i know there's still a lot of people you know you know like some people they god they don't want to hear god they don't want to hear anything and that's and that's fine i mean i when i first got sober and we've talked about this on the podcast i I didn't do any aa or anything Mm -hmm. along those lines i just quit and i quit when i was in the marine corps and I wasn't even 21 yet. And right. I just knew I was getting into a lot of trouble and I had to stop. But I think back now when I, I did, there was still like a little, there was some somebody watching over me, guiding yeah. me. and yeah. So I think that's just kind of cool. Like that's not a coincidence. Right. That the mascot and, and that thing. No. You know? No. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I like that. What else? Um, what do you want to talk about? What do you want um, uh, people listening on the podcast to know? You know, what was it like? What have you heard other people say uh, that is that's hurtful? Um, other people will say maybe not necessarily. Some obviously, some people are ignorant. People are rude, and they don't get it. Right. Um, and then some people are just maybe not that they don't mean to be. Yeah. But the stuff that they say is um, there anything in particular that comes off the top of your head? The word junkie. 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 Yeah. We're working on that. Yeah. We're trying to change that. That just sets something off in me and, yeah. you know. So you, if somebody came up and said, hey, your parents were junkies, how do you, like, what would you do? How would you deal with that? Um, What's the initial? 
I mean, jump on all, all over them, or do you want to just try? It? Yeah, but in an <coughs> educational way, you know, like my main thing with my dad is my dad never had a chance. Right. My grandmother was an addict, and she had beef between her and her drug dealer, and her drug dealer shot her up with some cyanide cyanide poisoning and tossed her outside of a car. My dad came home from school and his gra- his mother, my grandmother was there, so I never met my grandmother because right. she died when my dad was 10. He was put into foster home after foster home and ends up being cellmates with his own father because his father was an alcoholic and it's like how does someone live a normal life after living something like that? He had no chance. You know, when people will just look at him like, I've heard that Jason's just a waste of life or, you know, just so many different yeah. things that. And what would you say? Like, what would you want people to know? I he's, mean, he's yeah, still my dad. He's still your dad. He's still my dad. So I, th- I would say like at um, the age of 10, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine like um, how that must have affected him. And then yeah. bouncing from foster home to foster home. Oh, yeah. So I think sometimes... Why no? Like, we just see on the surface, like, this person's struggling, but you don't know the backstory. No. So I, I think that's extremely powerful, like, 10 years old, it, and we've talked about it on this podcast. Um, one of the gentlemen that's come in to talk to us, uh, Michael Sullivan, um, he belongs to the, um, I, I always I always mess up everything. It's the Granite um, Behavioral Health Center, and, and they, they deal with trauma, because yeah. I think it's important to recognize yeah, this there's substance use, abuse, disorder, whatever you want to call it. But there's an underlying issue that has Absolutely. to be. Absolutely. Yeah. I think every treatment center should be a dual diagnosis centered. Nobody, you know, and when we were meeting with Holbrook Hairs the other day, I said, who, I was like, raise your hand if you, yourself, or anybody else has just picked up using heroin. Nobody. Right. Nobody. It all starts off with something minor not minor but minor compared to dope and it's like it's either pills coke alcohol you know nobody just jumps straight to heroin and nobody uses any type of drug just because it feels good there's always a mental health issue an underlying issue like you said behind some type it. of trauma or yeah or, and some are very very uh extremely traumatic but yep. i think is like i'm trying to educate myself and learn more and I, I just think we've all experienced some yeah. type of trauma in our life. Some of it is a little bit, you know, I mean, it's still trauma to me Yeah. and how we deal with it. And I just think hopefully sometime in the future we, you know, we get to a place where when people go into recovery that trauma is available. I, I mean, is it not available in every place? No, it's not, right? Because that's like long-term care. Yeah. Yeah, we just um, we just talked about this last week. So, um, do you know Shane? Have you met Shane I Johnson? Think so no. So uh, the idea behind this podcast uh, began with uh, an idea that Shane had, and one thing led to another, and bing, here we are mm-hmm. doing the podcast. And then back in um, 2017, Shane just kind of disappeared. Like, oh, okay, I remember you <coughs> we talking, were talking about, about him. That. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and obviously, our main concern was he was okay. Yeah. You know, because it just it happens, and so. He came back, and um, we just did, um, I think last week we did the podcast. And he would have been here today, but he had a previous engagement that he needed to go to. So he is back, and he is good. But it was important for him to come in and 
talk about like the stress of right. just life and the things that were going on in his life literally like put him in a place where he just he couldn't function yeah he was getting paranoid and he literally just broke away from everything and he's he like yourself really like he he said like he got to a point he was dealing with his addiction and he was doing it through AA for him right. and but then he also realized at some point I, I got to deal with these this trauma yeah. Yeah. that has been in my life. And <clears throat> so, you know, I mean, he said I th- he's, he's going to see somebody now. Yeah. And, and I just think, like, this is, this, is where we, this is where we need to go. Right. And it's just sad. How much uh, time did your dad do? Like, any idea? Like, overall? He was just in and out, right? I'm 25. He probably served 22. Two years, maybe, of my life. Wow. Maybe, give or take a year or two, maybe. Uh, yeah. Well, I think just to let you know, like, um, we're going to change that. So junkie yeah. will be a word that nobody will want to yeah. use. And that's why we're here. Um, what else would you like to talk about? Hmm. Let's talk about yeah. your mom. Yeah. How awesome is she? She's amazing. Tell us about she, her. Yeah. She's overcome so much. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, she had me at 16. Yeah. She's like her whole life has just been being a mom. Yeah. And uh, two younger brothers. I have a little brother who's struggling right now, but uh, he'll be okay. Yeah. I have faith he'll be okay. You got a, got a few amazing <laughs> angels watching out for him. And I have a 16-year-old brother, and it's uh, me and my mom were talking the other day. We were watching um, Paul Pierce um, retiring his jersey and a quote. He said, um, I forget word for word, but it was like, an, um, you know, just because when I do think of addicts, a lot of them have single mom, right. parent, you know. And um, Paul Pierce made a statement, and it was, um, he was speaking about his mom, and it was like, how is a woman supposed to raise a child to become a man? And I look at my mom, and my mom has done that. Yeah. Or how is a mom supposed to even just raise me? Like, you know, I have an ex-boyfriend, and... Uh, his sister's toilet got clogged or something. I forgot exactly what happened. I was like, oh, I'll go. And I bring the plunger. And he's looking at me like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, because I don't need a man to depend on Uh-oh. to unclog someone's toilet. Like, And that's just something so simple that yeah. people will overlook. But that's what my mom is like, the most strongest individual. And that's something she has taught me is to never depend on anyone else but yourself. And I think that is just like the main thing I can say about my mom. But so with that said, right, you would have loved to have you know, uh, a man in your life as far oh, as... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, yeah. You wouldn't... I mean, you want your dad. Yeah. Everybody wants their dad. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, one of the very last things. So, um, I got the toxicology report back from my dad's um, autopsy, and um, his death was an intentional overdose. So he committed suicide, technically. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like a double whammy. I had overdose and suicide, and it was like just uh, punch the gun and punch the heart yeah. and throw it all at the same time. And um, oh, I forget where I was going with this. But um, uh, don't look to me. I'm. I know. Like I just that. had like a whole point in my head, and I it'll it. no no. <laughs> it's gonna come um, back. It'll come back. But let me ask you. So. Okay, so now you get the toxology report, and you see it was an intentional overdose. Yeah. Obviously, I know you were angry. Yeah. So how do you, um, like, 
How do you get? I mean, does it? It you're angry because I'm sure you must feel. Why would you do this to me? I needed you, and something like that. No. Um. My mom is angry. Yeah. My mom has survivor's guilt. Yeah. And it's crazy because we um we did an outreach program with the Safe Project with um Corey Finney once again, and um I was struggling really bad with my dad's death, and I was just like. You know, I had sex with my dad, I think, six times, and mm-hmm. um, I was like, why didn't I see the signs? Like, you know, I had so much hope. And um, Matt O'Malley spoke on my dad's um, outreach program date, and he made a comment about, like, his mom and not being relieved that she's dead, but at the same time, like, he was relieved. He does. He's relieved that he doesn't have to worry about when that phone call is going right. to come. He's not, like, worried about whether someone's going to find her on the streets. And like when Matt spoke, I needed to hear that right. because I was saying to my mom, mom, why am I relieved? Dad's not here. Like, why am I relieved? My father's dad. And I thought like something was wrong with me right. because who thinks like that? But at the same time, you know, my dad had, I got the phone call. My dad was stabbed. I got the phone call. My dad was shot. Like not I, I was a child. My mom did, Right. but I still knew about it cause I was a child. And, um, and yeah, so like I don't have to worry no more. I know where he is, and I know he's finally at peace. Right? Isn't that and crazy? Like this is yeah. where we're at. You know, like his birthday was last month, and I said this is the first birthday in five years that I know his location. Right. And it's only because he's dead. Did you feel that way too when he was in jail? I felt he was so safe in jail. Yeah. 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 I know. I, I've talked about that. Like, yeah. yeah, where I work and stuff, and talking yeah. to people, and they come in off the street, and they're like, "I gotta get back out. I gotta get back out." And it's like, yep. "No, just yeah. stop for a take a break. Yeah, get some food in your system, get some sleep, and more importantly, give your family a rest. Yeah, they know where you're at. They let them sleep. Right. And it's just, it's crazy. But I mean, this is just, this is where we're at. And, yeah. And so, um, did you remember what you wanted to say about your dad? Yeah. What was it? The last thing he ever said to me was, um, before I said goodbye to me, um, was that my brother, so my brother isn't biologically his, but my brother and him, they considered each other to be father and son. And mm-hmm. my dad looked at me and was like, Jacob gave me a, ch- a grandchild before you did. Like, when are you going to make me a grandfather and this, 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 and that? And I look at it now and he's never going to meet my children. Wow. Ever. That's tough. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like little things like that that you think of that kind of you know, come like yeah, as, in, in as, waves. Yeah, yeah. What do you Definitely. do? How do you deal with it? You, I mean, you just deal with it, right? Yeah, there's yeah. not no like particular thing <clears throat> to do, or you just kind of deal yeah. with it, I guess. And how are your brothers doing? Um, Caleb's perfect. Yeah, I just adore that kid, and um, my other brother Jacob. I don't know. I haven't spoken to him. Quite a few months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it a strained relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. It never was, but it is now. Um, he knows I love him, and that's all that matters. That's it. Really, that's yeah. Day, you know, I can it. tell him I love him, you know, every second of every day, but it's until he chooses. And how old is he? He's 20. 20? Yeah. We're rooting for him. Thanks. Yeah. So why don't you tell everybody what you do now? Like, so what, what do you, so, all right. So you've obviously experienced serious yeah. trauma in your life. And it, this is amazing that you've come out and you've done what you've done and you are who you are, which is perfect, right? For Valentine's Day. Cause you're like mm-hmm. a sweetheart. 
So, <laughs> Thank you. so uh, this is our Valentine's sweetheart on rock bottom to recovery. So just tell everybody, so what, from everything that you've experienced mm-hmm. and everything that you've been through, yep. um, what are your plans for the future? What would you like to do? The impact that you um, want to have? Well, right now I'm in school. I either want to work. Um, that was another thing. My mom was a severe, severe domestic violence victim. Mm-hmm. Um, that took a lot of control of her life, and that's another thing that like me and my brothers have witnessed. So I either want to work, hopefully in the future, with um, kids with domestic violence, or I want to do like substance abuse counseling. But you know, um, I was telling you earlier, like my main goal since doing this was always to speak at Braintree High School because I graduated from Braintree High, and when I was there, um, they have programs like the Alternatives. Back in when I was there eight years ago, they had the Aces and. Um, um, Archer program, which is like for emotional and, you know, kids with like anger issues, you know, mm-hmm. that just need a little extra support. And when I was 16, I got taken away from my mom and so did my brothers. And so I was in that emotional support program and I got to now go speak back at that school about, you know, my life. And now that I feel is like my biggest accomplishment is that going back to my, my roots right. and trying to help others. Cause I remember being in high school and someone coming in and speaking and, you know, I just, um, spoke to my headmaster and I said, I can tell you to this day from when I was a sophomore in high school, the beginning to the end of that man's story. Really? So like to now be able to be in that man's position, yeah. what now, yeah. 11, 10, 11 years later, is going to be probably like the most amazing experience. That is cool. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. So somebody came in, spoke, and had an impact on your life. Yeah. And it really kind of guided you in a direction yeah. that has been positive. And yeah. That's excellent. And yeah. now you're going to do the same thing. Yeah. What What is it? Um, what classes are you taking? So right now I take um, introduction to social working, um, my basic English class, basic history class, and I am taking psychology growth and development, which is a psychology two class. Awesome. Yeah. So your mom, what does your, um, I just want to jump back to your mom real quick because she's been um, in recovery for nine Mm -hmm. years. Um, Does she, like, um, does she attend meetings? Does she do anything? She did for a little bit. She's gone to, she's done, like, the the big book. She's gone to Casillo and stuff like that. Um, My mom has some health issues, so Mm -hmm. she doesn't do that much right now. But um, she has a best friend, Susie. Susie is a, she's, like, an angel. She's God sent. Um, And her and my mom are actually going through the big book again themselves. Uh. So, like, she doesn't do meetings herself. Um... But they, you know. But they're active. Yeah, and I mean, my mom is active with the Safe Project Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, like, she's still involved. She just doesn't. um, I feel like she got what she needed from AA, and um, she uses it to help others now. Where did did she do her Curcio? Any idea? I'm not sure. I did a Curcio, too. I'm not sure, but... Um, Have you ever done a Curcio? No. Oh, we got to no. get you in. She, um, she's actually really good friends with her like roommate who she went to Curcio yeah. with. So, and I love her roommate, Alicia, so... Tell her uh, Bill said day chloris. Yes, yes, we have like that stuff. <laughs> oh, she has yeah. it all over her room. That's so yeah. funny. Have you thought about doing one? No, because I didn't really know what it was. I just know she yeah. met like this really awesome friend, and yeah. I love Alicia, and that's all I really know about <laughs> it. So yeah, if you ever want to do one, I'm telling you, yeah. it's like I, I I I'm not I'm telling you I was talking about that today. Really? Yeah, because um, it's um, it's that is Crisio is Spanish for 
is it short course or intense Some, course? Yeah. It's, it's a course. No, it's like a two or three day thing. Yeah. It's a, you go in on a Thursday and you leave on uh, Thursday night and you leave yeah. on a Sunday. And uh, it's, you go in Thursday night and you're like, oh, what did I get myself yeah. into? You want to yeah. get out of there. You can't get out of there fast enough. And then by Sunday, you don't even want right. to leave. It's just amazing. No, and she loved it. Yeah, I, I loved it. Shane's done it. Um, yeah. And it is it is a Christian base. Yeah. But you only do it once. Right. You live it once. Right. And uh, you run into people afterwards. You're like, how's your fourth day? And yeah. like, it's awesome. <laughs> you know, so that's cool. Right. Yeah, so I, I already, I can only imagine the experience, like, for your mom coming yeah. out of there. It's so powerful and trans, uh, it, it's just transforming. Like, yeah. You don't, you don't. And not for everybody, but I would just say my experience of talking to people and people that I know that have gone, like I'm talking every walk right. of life from like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a correction officer, but I've seen <laughs> like city people and uh, yeah, it's just, it's an amazing, amazing weekend. But um, yeah, keep that on the back of your head. I will. If you, uh, I always tell people, look at if you really want to go like high def. Right. Do one of those. And you're like one of those people that would totally come out of that like right. just on fire. Right. I wouldn't even want to be around you. <laughs> You'd be like a flamethrower. Right. You know? People don't get it. You probably don't get it either. No, but, you, but one I day know. You I, will. Remember, like, I remember my mom going in there and she was like, it was terrible like yeah. the first day. And she was like coming out and she just was a completely different person. Yeah. So. It's 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 the most craziest thing. I'll have to meet your mom and talk yeah. to her. And so, but you know what? And I think this is very very huge um, in recovery, and it really helps people. Is service, and yeah. I know you do a lot of service, and you know, through my own experience, like uh, you know, I'm involved in a lot of different things. Obviously, the Hobart Cares Coalition. Um, I do a thing for veterans, Operation Adopt the Soldier, and. I do so many different things, and nothing ever compares to helping somebody else out. Yeah. When I get back in return, I know that sounds cliche, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's amazing. So talk a little bit about the service that you've done, and, and, and just like, how does that play a part in your life? Um, hmm. How'd you get into service? Like, obviously, so you met Corey, right? Right. Where'd you meet Corey? Um... I forget if someone messaged him about my post and just asked me to speak at his rally. And then we literally, we just clicked, automatically clicked. So tell what Corey does, because actually Corey's going to be a guest for um, not next Wednesday, but the Wednesday after. Corey's going to come in and talk about what he does. So just real briefly tell him. What doesn't Corey do? Yeah. Oh, my God. He does. What's the main thing? The SAFE project? um, The homeless? So the SAFE project is we we have a prepackage, which is we all get together, make sandwiches, make hygiene bags. And then we end up going to um, either Boston or Brockton, handing them out to the homeless. And um, usually... It is in memory of someone who has passed away from addiction. So every time you go out, it would be a memory? Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, or in strength of someone. So when we had one, we did one in memory of my dad and in strength of my mom in the same day. That's cool. So, yeah, it was really cool. That's cool. Yeah. So how did that make you feel? It was pretty good. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's what I stress about, like, my story myself is – you can choose what one you want. Do you want my mom's life, you know, or do you want my dad's? Like, because there's no in between anymore. Right. You know, and. I think it's, 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 usually you don't like, it's not an, inco- uh, um, the outcome that we usually hear. Right. It's like, 
yeah. death after death yeah. after death. So I think it's, it's. I mean, it's unique that you can speak from both sides of the yeah. issue, experience both sides of the issue. But more importantly, not only experience both and all the trauma that you've experienced, and but to, to just to continue to be positive and, and give back to the community because that's yeah. powerful. So I think when you get to Braintree and you speak, you're going to have an impact like somebody had an impact on you. I hope so. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, without a doubt. So. And you know what? We might never even experience that, but my finding is like – have you ever had those moments where you're like, am I doing, like, you're like, you, you, you kind of get yeah. beat down? You're, yeah, you're like, ah, oh, should I keep doing this? Yeah. Am I just, like, pushing it too much? Or you never know if you're, like, doing too little or yeah. you're doing too much. It's, you know, it's... You Do just you ever get a little, a little something that's, that kind of says, like, like, gives you, like, okay, I'm moving forward? Yeah. Um, when it was actually the last Holbrook Cares um, meeting, um... This might get me a little emotional. No, Sorry, we weren't no, about this. We talked about um, this beforehand. I told yeah. Amber, do not get all weepy because. It's still fairly new. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, you're going to make me weepy, and then we're going to have to send Dylan off to get some tissues, right? and then I'm probably going to no, get some crap when I okay. go to work. All right, stay um, tuned. So, the last Holbrook Chaos meeting that I went to, Corey asked me to attend just in case, like, he felt that I, like, he needed me to say anything. And, um,. Had to make a really big choice. A girl I grew up with, I looked up to a lot, um, ended up passing away. Mm. And the night of the Holbrook Cares meeting was her wake, and I had to make the choice to go to her wake or go to Holbrook Cares. And I messaged her best friendly, and I said, what should I do? Should I go to the wake, or should I go to the meeting? And she was like, you go to the meeting, and you do what you're doing to make a point, because Jen would want you to do that. Jen wants you to keep, like, you know, Jen struggled with addiction, so... And I felt like I made the right choice. Yeah. It's so the best what, way you could yeah, honor what, Yeah, exactly. Like, right. what could I do at her wake but give my sympathies and my apologies to her family members, which I did anyways, you know, right. um, but trying to go there and make a difference in memory of her and honor of her is bigger. Yeah. I feel and, like. I think you made the right choice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and, and I often think, like, if you – when people pass and everything, and I mean, I think about this: if if you if somebody had an impact on your life and they pass, whatever, um, say from um, the drug addiction and everything, if they really had an impact on your life, then then uh, honor them by going out and doing something. Right. Be, be right. kinder. I mean, we can yeah. always be better, and we can always do more. And it right. doesn't have to like I'm going to run out and save the world, but it could right. be something like like what you just did. Yeah. And I remember you spoke that night, and you did. You you got weepy. And yeah. I'm I'm going to tell you straight up. I didn't get weepy that night. Uh, <laughs> there was no tears flowing down my <laughs> eyes. I maintained. I was hard. Yeah. <clears throat> I did have to, you know, go down and scratch my nose, but <laughs> but. No, and I, I that's I, that's amazing. So I, you know, thank you, Amber. Um, I we've uh, we've gone pretty much. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to share? Not that I could think of. No. Off the top of my head, no. So when are you when are you going to go speak at Braintree? Um, I had just emailed the headmaster back, so um, I think the first Friday in March. So hopefully. So let's um, let's. What would you like everyone that's watching to know? Like, is there anything that you would like to share? Like. I really want people to come away from this particular mm -hmm. podcast and just say, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm not happy with what's going on, or I'm not happy what they did. But yeah, I, um, 
anytime someone does anything negative, you can't think of it as, oh, that's who they are. No, it's the addiction doing it. Right. Um, nobody just picks up to use, just to use out of fun. It's out of pain. Everyone's in pain, you know, um, and I just, I push sections. Like I said, my mom got clean on a section. Everyone thinks, you know, I got tortured for section in my dad. People call me a rat for it. And, you know, it's kind of funny because some of his hardcore, like, jail mates yeah. were like, you you were the furthest thing from a rat. Like, you well, section in your dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you section in your dad. That's not ratting. Like, yeah. you know, um, I just push, push sections because you just never know. What do you think about... Um them trying to allow the medical professions professionals if somebody comes in on an OD they can hold them for 72 hours I think it's a good idea I think it's a great idea yeah I think it's I good I really do yeah I'm not again uh, you know because the ACLU kind of stepped yeah. in and said this is you can't do I this. don't even think 72 hours is enough <clears throat> I don't either um, I think it should be mandatory longer like we said um, you can clear up your you know, your drug use, but you still have so many more There's so problems much behind more stuff it that, that has to be dealt yeah. with. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even for myself, um, May of 2016, my best friend died of Eller Stanlos, and it was, it took a toll on me. Yeah. And I just went out every weekend just drinking, yeah. honestly, fist fighting. Yeah. Like every weekend, and I didn't even realize that I had an issue yeah. just because I just needed to drink because it felt good, or I was punching people in the face because, you know, when look at me and I'm like, oh, I didn't have a problem. I'm not an alcoholic, but I realized at one point I'm drinking because I don't want to deal with the fact that right. my best friend's not here. You're acting you know, out. yeah, and I mean, I can, I realized that now I was just acting a certain way, and people don't realize, like, if I didn't catch myself, like, I'm only drinking not to have fun, but to, you know, just to cover something like right. it starts so little by that and some people don't catch on quick and enough and then when they do catch on they're way way into yeah. yeah their addiction and 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 that just obviously makes it harder that was another thing we we were uh, talked about it was um the undeveloped mind or the adolescent mind because it doesn't yeah. fully develop till the age of 23 i mean uh, i think it may be 24 23 24 yeah, right so around there that, yeah. so at the end of december we had dr ruth pote come on mm -hmm. and she she does a whole presentation on the adolescent mind and addiction and everything and, and she was just like <clears throat> um delay 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 right and, and and what she meant by that was if whatever you can do for your children educate them talk to them talk to them and talk to them young yeah. you don't have to go into detail but talk to them and get them to begin to understand. Talk about your family history, the her yeah. uh, being hereditary, and uh, and uh, so That's you know. Major. And I think like so, like you just made me think of this was like because you're going to go to brain tree and you're going to talk to the kids. And, yeah. And I've talked to a couple of people in two different locations, high schools, one in this area, not too far from here, mm -hmm. not not in this town, but I'm sure it happens in this town. Um. A, a teenager said in high school it was um, cocaine and marijuana. Yeah. And cocaine's highly addictive. I and have friends who started off like at 15, 16 using heroin. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. But here's the thing. I think if we can get in and we continue to yeah. educate, especially the youth, we have to get into yeah. the schools. And I'm not saying just walking in and, I mean, like get, let's get yeah. a program. Because that's where it's going to change. You educate kids and they'll make a, des a smart decision. I've said this in many of the podcasts. I use the cigarettes as an example. Because mm -hmm. cigarettes are extremely 
addictive yeah. and very hard to get off of. But 84% of the kids don't smoke anymore. Right. Because they're educated. They'll make smart choices. It's just what kids will do. They will make those smart choices. So you keep up the good work. Thank you. You get in there and you educate because you're a sweetheart and not just because Thank it's you. Valentine's yeah. Day. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and be careful. Like, don't, like, run yourself too thin. I know. Check on yourself. No, I know. You have to have somebody that you can turn to, obviously, oh, yeah. mom. And you look out for each other. I have a good support system. Yeah, and that's, co- yeah. And that's cool. And, and be open to when they say, hey, yeah. you're acting like this. Yeah. You know, you got to take oh, a step absolutely. back and and um, and kind of take a look at yourself. And I think that's hard to do. So. Right. Um, we'll end it on – we'll wrap up this podcast. I want to thank everybody for watching. Um, I know we weren't able to uh, – um, to, I can't ever – can you read those no, things? No, I know. All right, good. You guess how old are you? 25. 25. That makes me feel so good. <laughs> Actually, believe it or not, I can read some of that. Uh, but I, I wouldn't see be, some. Yeah. I see amazing. Thank you so much. And that comes from Cheryl Ann. No, thank you so much, Cheryl Ann, for watching. Tell people about us. This is Rock Bottom to Recovery. I see John Bemis is watching. Thank you, sir. We appreciate that. Mark Bluestein. I used to hang out with Mark. I used to drink with Mark. Yeah, that, yeah. Those weren't fun times. <laughs> right, Mark? Right, Blue? <laughs> so... Um, this is Rock Bottom to Recovery. Uh, we are a podcast. We are streaming live on Facebook. So if you're listening, um, you uh, we are streaming live, and you can go to our uh, Facebook page and check out the videos, and you can see how beautiful Amber is um, outside and inside. Um, that just makes you even more beautiful. Thank you. And um, um, it was just great to have her here. So watch the podcast. Spread the word. Let people know. We want to try to cover as much as we can. If you agree with us, if you don't agree with us, message us. Um, I did have, this is crazy, like somebody messaged me um, who was struggling, mm-hmm. relapsed, um, saw the podcast, reached out to me. Uh, we made a connection. And hopefully at some point we yeah. can get them back on track. Uh, but I mean, that's exactly why we're here. We want we, all work as we a want team to help people. Want to educate. Yeah. I'm not in the field, but I know people in the field who have helped others. So. Oh, you're yeah. in the field. Trust me. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're in the field. <laughs> right. Um, so, and you will help others. And uh, so, just a couple of quick announcements. Again, rock bottom to recovery. We uh, this is our 15th episode. We are on iTunes, Podbeans. Check us out. I really think uh, we have a great podcast. When Shane's here, I think we got a great flow. Um, very, very funny. Um, Shane's just, he's funny, but just a little bit less funnier than me. Probably. But he's, but Shane, Shane's awesome. I love Shane. Uh, I belong to the Hobart Cares Coalition. We meet the first Tuesday of every, oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. You already, yeah, you already yeah I already that. wrote this down. We were here <laughs> earlier and I was getting all this information, which I should know. Uh, but we, uh, the first Tuesday of every month, we meet at 7 p.m. up at the town hall. Come in because uh, we're really, really trying to make a difference, educate, bring awareness, educate ourselves. Like people like Amber, Corey, uh, we get, we have, we have amazing people that yeah. have come in, and and I will say this, <clears throat> that the this this last one that we were just at, um, I, you know, a couple of people spoke up, grandparents, yeah. grandparents yeah. that are raising kids, and and I just thought, you know what, I want grandparents to come in. Yeah. I want grandparents to come in and talk about what they're going through. And, yeah. And, you know, just again, to, to kind of bring to light and let people know what's out there. Because I think there's a lot of grandparents yeah. raising children. There was one woman. It was a grandmother, I think. Yeah. It was either the grandmother or the grandfather in the crowd who said she had to put her pride aside to actually, like, 
make that step to come in. And right. I feel like that's such a big deal. Like there's no shame in no. being out there and being vocal about it. And, you know, and the fact that she was able to put her pride aside and it's come huge. in is huge. Yeah. But now she can leave because, yeah. you know, I mean, whatever she was feeling, whatever she thought she was yeah. going to experience is not what happened. Oh, no, because you know she got something out of it, and then yeah. that message is going to go on to another person and it maybe bring more people in, and that's Absolutely, without the a ripple doubt. effect. Exactly. So if you know somebody that you think would be f- good for this podcast, uh, covering something in recovery that we haven't got uh, reached yet, um, I mean, message us, um, track us down. So let me jump back on this again. So we got the Holbrook Cares meeting, 7 p.m., um, town hall right here in Holbrook. Um, you just come right in. You'll find us. And then um, – Drop-in center, the second and the fourth um, Monday of every month. Again, the drop-in center is the second and the fourth Monday of every month. We meet here in Holbrook, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Brookville Baptist Church in the hall downstairs. And that is actually resources. Like, you'll come in, and there's all different types of resources, and we're going to build on that till we get a lot of resources in there. But you can come in. I know, like, NA's there, AA's there, um, um, Teen Challenge has been in there. Um, sometimes we've done some NACAN training. Um, but you can get all that information on the Hober Cares page. We're always posting. I think every day Deb yeah. uh, does. Uh, um, the, Deb's the, awesome the, with the, that stuff. Yeah. She does the uh, list, the bed the list, detox list, detox list yep. every day. So that's a place for you guys to go, Hober Cares page. Um, every day they're updating the bed list. So if you need a bed, if you're looking for a bed, um, Go there, and and if you have a question, message us. Message us at Holbrook Cares. Message us at the Rock Bottom to Recovery Facebook page. We will get back to you. Um, anything else? What do you think? Corey Fenny. Great guy. And the Safe Project. Corey's going to yeah. be here not next Wednesday, the Wednesday after. Right. Which is the 28th, I think. I don't know. But I'll be posting it. Oh, and you know what? We'll be doing two podcasts that week. Um, that Monday, we have the Addictionary podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really cool. I've been listening to them. It's a father and daughter team. They're both in recovery. Oh, okay. I saw yeah. that. Yeah. And they're going to come in and talk about their podcast and what they do. And I've been listening to the podcast. It's pretty funny. Really? Yeah. Like, they were at one out. podcast, um, there was a cat in the background going, meow. Meow. So maybe we'll bring the cat in. Talk to that'd the be cat. great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so, guys, thank you so much. I'm going to um, reach over and press that button that says finish, and then I'll post it. So, again, reach out to us. Let us know. Thank you so much for joining us. 